0: Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, editor-in-chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, tax technology post-TCJA. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has fundamentally altered the tax landscape. The 2017 law not only overhauled the U.S. tax system that had been in place for decades, but also changed how practitioners do their jobs. Joining me now from his home in Maryland to talk about tax planning, the TCJA, and technology is Tax Notes Contributing Editor Ben Willis. Ben, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on the show. Now, who did you talk to? I just had a fantastic discussion with Mark Gasparra who's the National Managing Director with Forte International Tax. And they focus on providing services to multinational corporations and partnerships and other businesses, as well as assisting law firms and accounting firms.
1: What did you and Mark talk about?
2: Mark and I covered a lot of topics, Dave. His career began in 1981 and he has seen so many changes throughout the code. Obviously, the 1986 acts, we compared a little bit to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We also focused a lot on the export subsidies that he has immense experience and expertise with. He's been working with domestic sales corporations, which have been around for a long time, and then later discs, and now IC discs, which are still available and can actually be combined with some of the benefits inside of Section 250, which provide deductions to certain corporations in the export industry. And so in addition to that, we focused on tax planning generally and the need for businesses to have up-to-date and current software and accounting to provide the information that they need.
1: All right, let's go to that interview.
2: Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining me today. How are you?
1: Thankfully,
0: I'm very well, as is our family and all our team members. We, of course, are following the CDC recommendations and working from home to the extent possible. And since our practice is primarily web-based, these restrictions have not negatively impacted our ability to serve our clients. My son-in-law, though, is a cardiologist, and he works in a large hospital complex. So we do worry about their family's well-being. But so far, so good. Thanks for asking. And how about you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm like you, following the guidelines and my whole family's at home. I've got a, a two-year-old son, so if you hear him uh, running around in the background, try to uh, appreciate the circumstances. I'm sure you will.
0: Always a welcome sound.
2: Well, with a cardiologist as a son and different concerns, I appreciate you've got a lot going on. It sounds great that you're still able to continue providing your clients with service, considering that you've got a wide range of tools. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you're serving your clients right now?
0: Well, you know, our practice is centered on developing, licensing, and implementing Vantage Point, our cloud-based global tax platform. And the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has dramatically expanded the need for the software, software capable of delivering complex international tax calculations. In real time, in real time is very important because our clients must quantify the income tax consequences of any number of complex transactions and business models under very tight time constraints, such as acquisition planning, quarterly and year-end tax provision calculations that are included in their financial results. And our team has programmed every major international tax change since 1981 and led the export incentives practice and international tax quantitative consulting practices of two of the big four accounting firms before we formed Vantage Point and Forte International Tax in 2004. You know, the TCGA in many respects is even more transformative than the 1986
2: act was. I certainly appreciate your point about the TCGA being more transformative than the 86 legislation, particularly with respect to complexity and and potentially, and I think that's your point, the the need for technology. In other words, you're talking about the need for up-to-date information on a lot of calculations that are all tied in together and some of the... Uh, Historic basic balance sheets require much more sophisticated modeling.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the world's getting smaller, but certainly more complex at the same time. So on top of our international tax reform, you know, we've got the the BEPS actions as well, and it's only going to continue.
2: Well, we've heard so much about BEPS lately. Uh, it's a good point for me to pick up on and, and just ask. As far as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, base erosion provisions, clearly folks think of guilty and FITI and some of the other provisions. Did that take months to incorporate some of those rules and guidance? Well,
0: it's very interesting. Absolutely, the BEPS actions have been very significant, but the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act the guilty, the FIDI, Section 163J, and B, and especially the interplay of those provisions are far more impactful. Let me explain. Let's start with the global low-tax intangible income, the so-called stick of the carrot and stick approach. Guilty effectively ended the indefinite deferral of foreign earnings from the U.S. tax base. You know, before this tax reform, foreign earnings had a very limited immediate impact. On a U.S. based multinational's U.S. tax liability. And because the U.S. corporate income tax rate was generally much higher than the foreign tax rate, there was no incentive to repatriate those earnings, hence the lockout effect. Now, unless covered by qualified business asset investment, foreign earnings are immediately subject to U.S. tax, so their impact must be accounted for on a real time basis immediately. Now, As far as the carrot approach, that's the foreign-derived intangible income, affectionately called FIDI, is a very powerful tax incentive following in the footsteps of the domestic international sales corporation and other export-related tax benefits that have been part of the U.S. international tax fabric since the 1971 Tax Act and other provisions even earlier than that with the World uh, Trade Hemisphere Corporations. So export incentives have been a part of the fabric for a long time. But the coupling of FIDI with the guilty provisions within the Section 250 deduction is completely unique. And as a result of that coupling, we hope that FIDI will survive potential EU and WTO challenges. But FIDI is not exactly the same um, as those other export provisions, services qualify, which they may never would have qualified under the disk and predecessor regimes. But the documentation requirements are much more significant. The proposed regulations provide really onerous documentation requirements, and we're hoping they'll be relaxed. But the combination of guilty, FIDI, and the foreign tax credit provisions and related limitations create an intricate set of interdependencies that is further complicated by the Section 163j limitation on the deductibility of interest expense and then the BEAT provision. For example, the amount of interest expense that can be taken as a deduction is dependent on the Section 250 guilty fitty deduction, and at the same time, the guilty fitty deduction depends on the amount of interest expense that is deductible. So it's circular, and fortunately, you know, one of the things they covered in the regulations was we thought about putting in simultaneous equations. Thankfully, they didn't do that, but instead have ordering. Well, there are many of these interdependent calculations within the new regime, which makes modeling and planning extremely difficult without having complex software to handle it. Another sort of interesting aspect of all this is because of the Transition Act, which is the 965 provisions, where we immediately tax over an eight-year period, immediately tax all the build-up. Some two trillion dollars or more of previously untaxed earnings. All these categories, all this tracking of previously taxed E and P, has to be maintained. And because guilty provisions result in immediate inclusion, that those PTI or previously taxed income distributions have to be tracked on an annual basis. And the tracking is extremely complex. And I really think it's impossible, practically impossible to do all this tracking without having software to do it. But I will say this, while the complexity abounds with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it does eliminate the foreign repatriation lockout, which is huge. And that was built into the prior international tax regime. And I think our clients would tell you that the reduction in the corporate tax rate was well worth this added complexity.
3: Wow.
2: Very interesting. It sounds like the TCJA has been keeping you extremely busy. Well, it seems like there's a lot of other countries out there who have kind of focused on individual legislation and rules that could generate income stemming from the United States or is currently being picked up and benefiting the fisc here. And so an example would be the digital services taxes that are being discussed and whatnot. And so I'm not entirely certain whether these are a response to Fitty and some countries are pulling income away from one another, but the export incentives seem to provide a large benefit and has been something that the U.S. has been doing for a long long time, along with a number of other countries as well. And so, just kind of expanding on that concept, could you tell me a little bit about what other export incentives are available today? Are we looking at just the FITI, or are there other ways that taxpayers can benefit from selling overseas?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of points. One, I I don't want to leave BEPS quite yet
2: and the digital services tax,
0: but because our 50 states can not agree on uniform tax rules, I think getting the world to is going to be difficult, but at the same time, the price for not coming up with some sort of an agreement on how you more fairly tax intangible property income because the arm's length standard of section 482, it's hard to find comparable transactions when each company's intellectual property is so different than the other, which leaves besides the routine returns on routine functions, a large pot of intangible income. And the world needs to figure out how to fairly allocate the taxes that should be associated with that income based on where it's earned, which but the classics are things like Facebook that don't have a physical presence maybe in a country, but they derive significant revenue from users in those countries. So we'll have to see what happens on that. But yeah, the export incentives has long been a favorite of ours. You know, I actually led the export incentives practice for a couple of the big four firms. And it really goes back primarily to the DISC, the Domestic International Sales Corporation. And it does. It, we still have it. I mean, the interest charge or the IC DISC, the interest. Charge Domestic International Sales Corporation was the uh, introduced in 1984, was actually the offspring of the original DISC provisions uh, designed to placate objections raised by our trading partners and the general agreement on tariffs and trade or GAT. And like DISC, the interest charge disk was established originally as a deferral regime. However, the deferral was limited to the deemed profits on no more than $10 million of qualified export gross receipts per year, and an interest charge is assessed on the tax savings achieved through the deferral. But that's not the real power of the IC disk. The repatriated profits of an IC disk constitute qualified dividend income that was introduced in 2013. So the export profits that run through the IC disk are ultimately taxed to individuals as capital gains or at capital gains rates. This results in permanent tax savings, not deferral, but permanent tax savings through the difference in ordinary income and capital gains Mm -hmm. tax rates. So today, the DISC is used primarily by private companies because they're owned ultimately by individuals and not large multinational corporations because qualified dividend income distributions do not provide an ETR or effective tax rate benefit when repatriated back to regular C corporations.
2: That's a large benefit, especially considering the 250 deduction at 50% for C corporations only on that guilty portion. And so this seems to give a lot of benefits for what a lot of folks worry about, which is limited just to those large C corporations.
0: Yeah, and if you're privately held C corporation. You know, you need to be a C corporation to get the FIDI benefit, but the IC disk can be used in conjunction with the disk. So you could actually have this closely held C corporation take advantage of the FIDI benefit and the distributions going through an IC disk qualify for IC disk benefits. So you can get a dual benefit. And there again you've got some sort of simultaneous equations going on, which we handle in the software because the the IC disk deduction should be taken into account and computing FIDI and the FIDI deduction should be taken into account in determining profits associated for IC disk benefits.
2: Well, it seems like we've covered a lot here today. Let me ask if the coronavirus is impacting any of the points that we've discussed today or just your ability to deliver client service.
0: Well, I will say this. We do enjoy face-to-face training sessions and planning meetings with our clients, but online meeting applications you know, result in very significant time and cost savings and allow us to maintain robust flow of communication between those meetings. So absolutely, I think as a result of today's work from home requirements, you know, we are more and more dependent on technology. And I believe the COVID-19 situation, however temporary, and hopefully it's very temporary, will result, even though that may be temporary, will result in permanent shift on how we leverage technology, leading to several benefits, including flexible work-life balance and cost and time
2: savings. I can't agree anymore, for example, because I'm now teaching my taxation of business entities class from my home. And that's happening for universities and schools across the country. And I can't imagine that that won't have a huge impact. A lot of these schools, historically, law schools in particular, have been known for kind of resisting some of the changes to online classes and other technological changes. But now that it's being forced upon us through the quarantine, this kind of changes the whole game for every Now we have all these professors who are historically unfamiliar with this technology are now required to use it and are using it in order to continue with their classes since their students have to take them from home. And it sounds like to your point, this could have long-term beneficial changes on work and education, a number of things. And hopefully we are able to continue FaceTime and have great phone discussions and video discussions like we're doing now. But before we conclude, I'll ask, are there any final thoughts or advice that you'd like to like to share with our listeners?
0: Well, I got a couple things. First of all, keeping up with the tax changes is very important. And of course, my first recommendation is always to read uh, tax analysts, tax notes, publications, and listen to their podcasts. But for us, working closely with the clients and service providers is very important. It's a great way to disseminate information, participate in real-time seminars and workshops. We're actively involved with the Tax Executive Institute as a speaker and sponsor. And some other courses that I recommend for international tax professionals, always the George Washington International Tax Institute's great, Tax Council Policy Institute, the DC Bar, International Fiscal Association, Association for Computers and Tax taxation. These are all listed on our website at 4kintax.com.
2: All right. I appreciate your candid comments throughout today's discussion and uh, and your explanations, and I appreciate talking. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you have a great day, Mark. Indeed.
0: And the pleasure has been all mine, Ben. Thanks for having me.
1: And now, Coming Attractions. Each week we preview commentary that will be appearing in the Tax Notes magazines. Joining me now from our home is Content and Acquisitions Manager Faye McRae. Faye, what we you have for us? Thank you, Dave.
4: In Tax Notes Federal, Jeffrey Cadet and David Kuntz explore aspects of ECI taxation. Richard Weston addresses tax incentives that could be administered to help prevent a climate change emergency. In Tax Notes State, Gary Fujita, Michelle Delapé, and Greg Barton compare the Oregon and Washington gross receipt taxes. Roxanne Bland discusses taxing digital advertising services. And on the opinions page, Nana Amasarfo looks at tax measures related to COVID-19 being implemented around the world. And now for a closer look at what's to come in our magazines, here is Tax Notes Executive Editor for Commentary, Jasper Smith. Thanks, Faye. I'm here with Jeff Wong, Professor of Accounting and the Chair of the Accounting Department at the University of Nevada, Reno. Jeff, how are you today?
3: I'm good, Jasper. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for taking time to join us briefly here on our podcast today. We know that all three of our magazines, our federal, international, and state magazines, are publishing an article of yours, How CPA Firms Are Responding to the Coronavirus Crisis. So, we just wanted to talk with you a bit and have you tell us a little bit about that article.
3: Great. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, the genesis of the article really came because on April 1st, tax note sent out a request for commentary on various different kinds of analyses related to COVID-19 and its impact on tax, and there was a mention, too, about its impact on professionals, so it immediately occurred to us, I've got a research team that I work with here at the University of Nevada we had a wealth of contacts in the professional community that could be contacted to find out how they were dealing with restrictions imposed by the new operating environment and we put together a few standard open-ended questions to ask them and thought that, you know, we'd put that out to see what kind of response we got and we're amazed at the speed and the number of responses we got and the diversity of people actually that responded people from huge international firms that were partners, people that were sole practitioners, those in regional firms and such like that, uh, got back to us and really provided us with a, a, tr- a wealth of information um, about how they're dealing not only with clients, but with each other, what was the direction forward. It was it's pretty cool.
4: Well, that sounds great, Jeff, and obviously we don't want to give away the whole article, but is there, are there any specific points you want to share with potential readers?
3: Yeah. One of the things that struck us was we interviewed people that may not have known each other, may not have even been in proximity to each other, but there were a lot of similarities in their responses and how they dealt with clients and with each other, and there were some very ingenious people out there who thought of clever ways to to work around what is a very people oriented industry and the way they did business. Um some people even, you know, had there were financial impacts about how they dealt with their employees and, and clients that I I think would be good for building loyalty on both
4: fronts. Well thanks Jeff. It was a fantastic article. We certainly appreciate you using Tax Notes as your publishing forum. Can you tell our audience where they can find you? Yes. uh, Anybody that wants to can
3: look me up in the College of Business at the University of Nevada, Reno. You can find me on the website. might even see a picture of me.
4: Excellent. Well, we look forward to talking with you again in the future, maybe for future articles. That would be great, Jasper. Thank you. You can read all that and a lot more
1: in the April 13th editions of Tax Notes Federal, State, and International. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at tax stew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes
2: Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com slash podcast. When major media wants the
0: straight
1: story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or
0: tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.